Welcome to Double Fries No Slaw. It is Thursday evening. That means it's preview night. We have Mark Ennis on again. Second time on the show, we had him. Ennis. Ennis. Yeah. Oh, screwed it up already. Did it last year too, TJ. Well, this is what it was like for me every single day, the first day of school. I'd be like, don't like, say Ennis. Don't say Ennis. They do it every time? Well, every I'd say, I mean, it was more than 50%, but... It, yeah, I would dread that. So <laughs> you leave this in, I don't care. It's fine. Leave oh, it's staying in now. Our producer's <laughs> on his our producer's on his honeymoon, bro. Like this whole yeah. I don't, unless I like drop an F bomb, like this, this I'm not editing anything. So um Mark Ennis, Ennis gosh, I can't even do it. I'm a beer and half in. Mark Ennis, um, nine three nine, the drive host there in Louisville, came on last year and chatted with us. Uh, back again this year to talk FSU Louisville. Myself, TJ Pinger, Richie Barnes. Gentlemen, how you guys doing tonight? Oh, it's always a good night, TJ. It's, you know, Ryder Cup Eve, which is the sporting event I am looking forward to most this weekend. And apparently we played Saturday at 3.30, so we'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> talk a little uh, Ryder Cup at the end of this thing so that we can bring ourselves back up from the uh, negativity that is FSU football. Mark, how you doing this evening? I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm praying that however long we do, uh, that none of my children just come barreling in here like that poor guy on the BBC, as long as we avoid that. <laughs> my wife's like, hey, can I go out to dinner on Thursday night? And I was like, uh, yes. I've got a pod. And she's yeah. like, well, just put the kids down and then do it. And I was like, yeah, but if they get up, you know, what am I going to do? And she's like, you'll figure it out. And I was like, what's the worst that's happened to you? Like in the time where you like, you do something, you come out. Like I've, I've done something like this and come out and they've eaten like, an entire box of oatmeal cream pies or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. You're like that's the best. I'm like, I bet I am. Yeah, mine are three and one. So like, oh. usually it's just the big ones like push the little one off the couch. Like they, yeah. they, they they're not tall enough to get into crazy stuff just yet. But Nine, that six and four, them. which is the, oh yeah, it's, the, it's like old song. You know, like they can do just about everything, and they have the, the the smallest amount of total sort of impulse control. It's a real disaster. <laughs> um, double fries, no star. Brought to you by Guthrie's in Tallahassee. You can visit both their locations at eighteen eighteen West Tennessee and twenty five fifty North Monroe. Tell them double fries, no slaw sent you. Um, we'll get right into it. We'll get into the game this weekend. Um. Louisville coming off of a big win, a crazy win. I actually was on a show last night talking with some Louisville folks, and uh, man, they, I don't, I don't know. Is that the craziest finish you've ever seen, like in a Louisville game? I mean, obviously, like there have been some crazy games. You know, you think about like the big Florida State comeback, the Lamar game. We've had some good finishes the last few years against you guys, minus twenty twenty. But that's the that's one of the craziest like walk off finishes I've ever seen in like all of college football, let alone just Louisville. Yeah, Louisville's had its share, you know, I mean, beat Florida State, you know, in the rain, 2002. Yeah. You know, on an overtime walk-off. Oh, it was um, a big win, USF like that, like a, yeah. Yeah, a you like Rodgers had a like that. Yeah. There, you know, there have been some some last-second ones. Louisville's been on both sides of those. Uh, but I've never seen one with the whiplash of, holy crap, I can't believe they're going to lose like that. Yeah. The very next play, holy crap, I can't believe they're going to win. That. And, and uh, just to lay it out for you guys and, and people that listen, I do the post game shows on 93.9 and uh, ESPN Louisville here from a uh, 
Cardinal Stadium, if you guys have ever made the trip, there's a row of cabooses in the back that people use for tailgating and, and everything. And we broadcast from one of those uh, after the games. But in order to go on right when the game ends, we go out there before the game ends. So I, if it's last second, I never get to see it in the stadium. So I leave the press box. I'm going down. And there's about a 30, 45 second delay between what's happening on the field and what I see on TV at the caboose as it's going final. And so I'm standing there at the caboose watching the TV. And I think Louisville's driving for a game winning field goal and they throw that interception. And so I hear the crowd groan and the PA yeah. announcer say pass intercepted. And I was like, oh, that sucks. And, but it takes, I hear it first, it takes it about 30 seconds to show up on the TV. Well, then I hear cheering, and I was like, well, maybe they sacked him, you know, something. I don't know what happened. And the cheering just keeps going. Yeah. keeps going. And I was like – and then the PA announcer, you know, screams out touchdown. I was like, I can't wait to see this because <laughs> I hear it, then I see it. So, no, I think in the history of, of Louisville football at least, I've never had, you know, up and down or I guess down and then up like that ever and, and it was sorely needed i can't describe for you all and the guy the people that listen to this the just the the rain cloud that's sort of been here for really going on four years uh between everything that happened with patino and the former athletic director tom jurich and and right. bobby petrino's terrible 2018 where he totally just mailed it in to get bought off uh and everything that's so bad that has happened around here uh, to, to to that moment, it was almost like, here's the drain. This is it. This is the bottom. You're not even going to beat UCF after you played so well for most of this game. And for it to sort of turn around like that, people needed that badly. Yeah, and on that note, Mark, you know, heading into the season, listening to a lot of people on the, the outside, the national media, it sounds like Scott Satterfield may have entered this year on the hot seat a little bit. Uh, that old Miss game couldn't have helped a whole lot, but these last two weeks uh, – different story so what thoughts is he really on the hot seat coming into the season and kind of where does he stand right now yeah hot seat's probably strong but um it's a marriage that need therapy you know like you know after his first year was it could not have gone better and i you know i spent a whole year a summer his first year before the first year saying like i just hope they win maybe four you remember coming off two and ten and petrino and this awful and all that i hope they win four or five just look competent, show improvement, probably unfortunately conversations you guys have been having. Like, you know what this sounds like. Uh, and, and then they went eight and five on a bowl game and you, you're like, all right. And then last year, whiplash, they lost every close game possible. The the Everybody because of COVID is sort of making cuts and athletic department layoffs and stuff. And then he does the South Carolina thing in the offseason. And they really wasn't even all that good about doing that. Uh, and so it entered the year – He's done a lot of good PR work in the offseason to sort of convince people, hey, you know, I, that's not really what I wanted to do. I regret doing that. And they look like crap against Ole Miss, at least in the first half. Second half, maybe. But, yeah, the, the Ole Miss game did not help. So hot seat is is really strong because I, I don't think he's in position to get fired. But there's a lot of dissatisfaction. And the truth is, UCF game, they needed it. And when Louisville gets stopped on fourth down in the opening drive and gives up the long touchdown pass, I – was like I went out on the the press box that Louisville has a, a ledge you can walk out of the glass area and go outside and sort of take the crowd in. I went out there like kind of waiting for booze. Like I felt like this might get ugly. <laughs> now they answered and you know got off the mat. And I'll give them their credit yeah. for that. But yeah, it was pretty tenuous at that point. So Louisville, not unlike Florida State, has has seen some highs and lows this year, but has gotten 
they've kind of had reverse courses, right? Like Florida State started with maybe a moral victory or looking good against Notre Dame. And then Notre Dame may be overrated, but they're still probably better than Jacksonville State. And, you know, at least on par, maybe slightly better than Wake Forest, right? And so um, Florida State has looked worse and worse each week where Louisville has kind of done the other thing. But I guess any either, you know, either one of their best or worst games could come out. How, you know, how good is this Louisville team? You know, I know that's very subjective and, you know, we're only a quarter of the way of the season, but how, how good is this Louisville team overall in your eyes? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And I, and I, I'd love to BS you guys. I don't know. You know, I think that some of the things they thought they'd be really good at uh, are not as good as they had thought. I think they thought the offensive line would be, um, not just not not in a liability, but would be kind of a strength that they would be able to move people and be able to muscle people up like some of Scott's later uh, App State lines were, uh, and they're not. They're okay, especially against UCF. They were okay, uh, but they're not a strength. Uh, the wide receiver position still remains to be seen. I mean, I have good news for you guys. There is no Tutu Atwell on this roster. Thank God. <laughs> That's good news for you. There's not that guy is not on this roster so far. So, you know, I think that they thought. They had some answers in some places, but some of the places, they are every bit as good. They told us, hey, look, we took these two transfers in safety, Kendrick Duncan and Quinterio Cole, and they're really good, and they are. And Louisville's secondary is the best it's been since Scott's been here. Uh, the linebacker core is as good as they advertised. Defensive line is so-so. Uh, maybe played their best game of the year against UCF. So in places, they're pretty good. Like, I think they've got some identifiable strengths. They've got some identifiable weaknesses. Uh, but I think that by seasons in, they may be better in places. They just weren't as good as they kind of made it out to be to start the year. So the answer is, I don't know. But I think they are better than a year ago. So we would answer the same way if you asked us what what our thoughts of FSU were. Probably saying, though, we think they're not as good, right? Like we've lost some star power. Um I think Florida State's gotten better in certain areas. Like they've definitely improved some along the defensive line. I think the secondary is better, but they've gotten a lot worse at other places. I'll ask you this and then I'll pass it to Richie to get into the game this weekend specifically. But what is the perception of FSU up there? Um, you know, obviously a great name, but that doesn't win you games on Saturday as we've seen this year. Perception of FSU uh, up there in that part of the country. I think FSU is a lot like uh, Miami football has been and is maybe only now finally out. Like the half-life, the radioactive half-life of Miami is Miami football. Uh, a lot like Duke basketball, where it kind of doesn't matter how good or bad they really are. If you beat them, you beat Duke. You beat Florida State. You beat Miami. Like yeah. it's a good thing. Uh, people here know better than to, to underestimate uh, at worst, Florida State is a bad team with good players. Like, and I, I think that that's really true. Like there are – Florida State's worst recruiting class in memory would be Louisville's best recruiting class ever, by far. You know, and so like I recognize Florida State as a team has its issues, but there are players there that, uh, that if they put together even a marginally good effort, it will be a game. Uh, so I don't think you'll have, for instance, we took calls all day today and yesterday, you know, Louisville fans are not underestimating this game. They're not underselling the difficulty of, of winning this game. Um, but I think that there is a quiet confidence that at least with the, the matchup of, uh, uh, 
this year and in light of last year and the way that Louisville played against Central Florida, that that it is a game that they should they should win. And that creates kind of its own pressure, you know, on Scott Satterfield uh, to win this one. Yeah, and as CJ said, let, let's get right into this week. Louisville, as of right now, I this line, I think it's going to jump all over the place. Louisville favored by one and a half at Florida State. Uh, Louisville comes in at two and one uh, with a really good win over UCF, who's number 31 in the SP plus uh, beat Eastern Michigan a loss to Ole Miss, who's number 12 in the S- F- SP plus, excuse me. Um, so Louisville's coming in 57th overall in those swimming ratings, 18th best offense, 94th best defense, 42nd on special teams, Florida State 69th overall, 51st best offense, 83rd worst defense. So uh, these defenses are not looking good and 35th best on special teams. Um, I'd like the SP plus more than most rankings because it does adjust for opponents you know strength of schedule strength of opponent you know garbage time it's not going to give you credit for scoring 14 points late when you're down by 42 uh just initial thoughts do those numbers sound about right for what you think is louisville a top 20 offense and you know a bottom 40 defense they're probably not that good offensively uh at least to where i'd be like if you watch them kind of no matter who they play they'll look oh that's a top whatever you know offense yeah. uh, and they're probably not that bad defensively you know i don't even though i know uh, bill conley's sp numbers sp plus numbers are our opponent adjusted i can't imagine very many defenses in the country would would rate particularly well uh when when you played Ole miss and ucf in two weeks <laughs> now those games could have gone better uh but but i i think again louisville's offense is is very still very kind of hit or miss it's not sort of consistently you know, in that range. And I think on the, the defensive side, I think they're better than maybe the numbers are going to reflect right now uh, because they've played two extremely good offenses. Uh, and they're probably, quite frankly, looking forward to somewhere where they're not sort of hanging on for dear life defensively. Yeah. And well, do uh, we have the offense for them? <laughs> so we. <laughs> So one, uh, when you're looking at some normal stats, you know, one uh, weakness for Louisville potentially that stands out is the ranking 108th in rush defense, uh, giving up 5.3 yards per rush. That's about the only thing Florida State can kind of do well because we're not great in the passing game at all right now. We can't block, we can't throw, we can't catch. That's it's not a good recipe for a good passing game. So will Louisville? Do you with that three man front? that they mostly play uh, on defense that do you think they're going to just pack the box and say, Hey, Mackenzie Milton, try and beat us with the receivers you have, because we're not letting, you know, Jay Sean Corbin and uh, Trey Sean Ward uh, beat us today. Yeah, I would think so. And I think that the Ole Miss it's Ole Miss, God, I don't play them. Like it's pick your four. <laughs> you know, the, the, the combination of receivers, what they've got, I mean, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Like it's they're it's, nasty. They're also nasty this year. It, it well, and Kiffin is a a a, a you know a uh, evil scientist. You know, and and they've got a first round caliber quarterback and a bunch of receivers and running backs and and, and then UCF. You know, Dylan Gabriel could push the ball down the field. He's really good. I hate that he got hurt at the end of that game because he was awesome. And I, you know, it, it's not trolling to say like I don't think that Florida State can do anything that in terms of getting the ball down the field that those offenses did, especially if Jordan Travis doesn't play. Because uh, McKenzie Milton, for it, you can be as full of moxie as you want to be. You can't push the ball down the field. So, yeah, I would expect in this one that, 
that Louisville will trust its secondary, which they definitely think is like the the strength of their defense, uh, and that they will pack the box, that they will run blitz until Florida State can force them out of it. Well, that's unsettling. <laughs> <laughs> um, McKenzie List is the starter. Some some uncertainty around whether or not Travis is is healthy enough to play. Obviously, it'll be Purdy. A couple of Louisville uh, <laughs> potential Louisville. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, you'll enjoy this. You'll enjoy this at the press conference on Monday. We're asking Scott about you know preparing for Florida State or whatever. You know Scott's a really nice, like he's like a Dabo kind of all shucksy guy, but he kind of went out of his way to be like, yeah, you know they're gonna run. Jordan may be hurt. Yeah, you know Chuba's down there. I saw him on the sideline when I was watching that game the other day. And I was like, yeah, he made sure to make reference. <laughs> like, it's just like the most a-hole kind of thing I've ever heard Scott say. It was pretty funny. Yeah. Um, so if Jordan's not able to go, I mean, obviously you know what you're getting out of the quarterbacks. Uh, if he is able to go, does that worry Louisville just from a running perspective? You know, would they rather just see Milton or Chubba the whole game as opposed to Travis getting in there and be able to maybe mix it up a little bit with the legs? Yeah, I, I would think if, if Louisville had its way, it would be it would be Milton. And that sounds crazy, but – but he's he's just he's the least capable, I think, of pushing the ball down the field and would kind of give them the and, and he's he's not the runner that Jordan is. Now I think he's you know more in command and, and more uh poised and that sort of thing. So let's pick your poison a little bit. But I think if they had their their druthers, it would be uh McKenzie Milton, and you take your chances that he can't beat you pushing it down the field or, or running. And you know, after Corral, who is a gorgeous deep ball thrower, and, and Gabriel, who's a good deep ball thrower and a good runner, uh, that I'm sure that that's what they would prefer uh, is to just get one good dose of McKenzie Milton. Although, you know, a year ago, Jordan Travis was real shifty on the first try. They scored a touchdown. But after that, they, they had a good hold on them. But I think the offense overall is a little better than a year ago. Yeah, yeah, and Leonard Hamilton has a phenomenal basketball team at Florida State, but the best crossover in Garnet and Gold last year was Jordan Travis when he bounces the ball to himself <laughs> and finds a way to turn that it's into true. a touchdown. It's, it's just ridiculous. Um, tell me a little bit about Louisville's defensive line because Florida State came into the season feeling pretty good if about the top seven, maybe eight offensive linemen. Well, now you got three hurt. You got one that kicked off the team, transferred, whatever it may be. We, we're not sure there, but they're down to less than five of the group they really liked heading into the season. And the run blocking has been okay, but they cannot pass protect. So specifically, what, what's Louisville have up front and how's that pass, pass rush looking? You know, Louisville's, uh, it's a 3-4 it's a and they're a little slightly undersized by design. It's a one-gap defense, you know, and they are clarity like, hey, you're here and that's it. Uh, the defensive line is underachieved, and it's been the the biggest place on the defense that hasn't been good yet since Scott's been here. Uh, coming into the year, they told Yaya Diaby, this was his second year here, they're like, this is our pass rushing threat. This is the guy that's really going to change things. And through the first couple of weeks, he was really absent. And then they kind of told us, oh, by the way, he's been hurt up until now. Seven tackles against UCF, a lot better game. We've got a, a freshman they really like, Ashton Galati, who's played pretty well. They are, there's no huge typical 3-4 nose tackle. They rely a lot on run blitzes. They rely a lot on the uh, drawn-up blitzes and zone blitzes and things like that. Like, they don't overwhelm you with size. Like, Georgia runs a 3-4, and everyone's the size of an oak tree. It's crazy. Like, Louisville's not that. <laughs> they rely on scheme. They rely on size and speed. 
And so the defensive line, those they've got about seven guys that they rotate. They did something against UCF I've never seen them do before, and it was really against another side of this. Like maybe Scott's a little bit more devious than we gave him credit for. But like UCF would 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 substitute, but they go fast. You know, Gus. Like they go fast, but Louisville would wait until they wait like three or four seconds and then run someone off. And then the referee would have to come in and sit on the ball, and it was making UCF really pissed off. But it was kind of the that sort of gamesmanship. I don't know how fast Florida State goes, but it was just kind of interesting to see Scott dabble in uh, that sort of thing. So the, the defensive line is not overwhelming at all. The the combination of them with linebackers who can all really, really run is sort of where they start to shine. Yeah, and, and geez, you talk about Georgia's defensive line. I saw a clip of their nose tackle going at 340 pounds to opposite sideline and making a tackle. Um yeah, so in Florida State, they don't we don't really go too fast unless we have a nice big play on first down, which is pretty rare. Uh, but let's just get right into it before we do some um, some over unders with, with our, our sponsor Price Picks. Just how does Louisville win? What has to happen? And how does Florida State win? We'll save the you know the official score predictions for later. But you know what? How does what happens if Louisville wins in if they leave Tallahassee with a loss? What what happened at that point? Yeah, it's not a whole lot different than a year ago where the, the big thing, you know, Louisville right now through three games, I think is even in the turnover margin. Uh, and a year ago, they had one of the worst turnover margins in the country uh, to where they outgained, I think, five opponents that they lost to. But the turnover margin was just awful. That'll hurt. Uh, and so if, if Louisville, I think like if Louisville is even in the turnover margin in this game, I think they'll win. And so they need that. They they can't help Florida State. They can't turn the ball over, fumbles, that sort of thing. And against UCF, they got the good Malik Cunningham. They got mm-hmm. the guy who made good decisions with the ball, who kept drives alive with his feet. I think he converted three first uh, third downs running the ball, uh, including a really important third and eleven early in the game. If they don't, if they're not on the negative end of the turnover margin, and if they get somewhere close to the good Malik Cunningham who doesn't fumble. Uh, and who keeps drives alive with his feet. Like Those are the two very biggest things that they can do. Uh, and I think that they'll win. And if they lose, uh, they can't get off the field on third down, which they couldn't do against Ole Miss, uh, and can't stop the run, which neither UCF nor Ole Miss really challenged them to stop the run first. Uh, and so if this is sort of a close game where, you, where FSU can just sort of situationally keep the run game a big part of what they're doing, then, then it'll be close all the way down to the very end. Um, cool. Well, all right. Well, so we do, we did this last year. We had some over-unders for you. We'll do it again this year. Um, I don't know why these people reach out to us and do this, but we do have a sponsor for it this year. I don't know if you're a daily fantasy guy or not, but humor us while we do this quick ad read and pay some bills. Um, check out the prize picks app. Y'all we, we shout this out every week. Our over-under segment is brought to you by prize picks. You can find that on your Apple or Android app store. Um, the code to enter is no slaw, all one word, N-O-S-L-A-W. They will match your deposit um, up to $100. It's a 100% match. It's daily fantasy simplified. You pick anywhere from two to five players, and you can win up to 10 times on any entry. I think Harlan, Harlan's not here. He's on his honeymoon and stuff, but I think he's won like $300. Like, yeah. he's, I mean, like I've already busted out, so like don't. But I wish Harlan was here so he could tell you guys like what he's picking on stuff, but. Fortunately, he's like in the Bahamas or something and he won't win anything this week. So screw him. But uh go go check out the prize picks app. 
Um, you can match up stuff from different games, different sports. Um, you could pick a baseball home run over under. You could in, in a football passing yard over under. You know, if basketball was going, you could take LeBron's points and Brady's yards, you know, or, or whatever. So check it out. Uh, the prize pick app. Again, code no slaw. All right, Richie, hit us with these picks this week. Let's see if I yeah. can get any and, of them right. And all these lines are official prize picks lines. And it, I, I, as soon as I saw this first one, TJ and Mark, I locked it up immediately. Uh, Jordan Travis, 152.5 passing yards. Give me the under. Yeah, yeah I like the under because he probably won't even play. Exactly. I, that's not an official I prediction. Under, I would definitely say I, I, under for two reasons. One, I don't think he's going to play, but two, like, yeah. he's not going to win chucking it. No, I think that I think that was the easiest one when I saw that because I know McKenzie Belton's playing. I know Jordan Travis is doubtful. So that one, uh, I threw it on there just because, but maybe they know something we don't. Didn't the next. So what was didn't last year or last week? He had like two long touchdown passes. Like, is that how they're kind of figuring he gets there is like probably two busted coverages. (laughs) And that's how we scored our two touchdowns last week. Yeah, Yeah, he had 107 yards. So, yeah, maybe not that many, but 100. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah, so so the next one, let's go over to uh, Louisville's uh, quarterback, Malik Cunningham, 249.5 passing yards. Let's go to the Louisville expert, Mark Ennis, first. I'll go under that uh, for two reasons. One, Louisville, like I kind of joked with you guys at the beginning, hey, there's no two out well. Like there is no deep threat to sort of pad those passing numbers uh, right now. At least it hasn't emerged. You may be on the roster, but whoever it is is not there yet. They haven't thrown it like that yet. In uh, Louisville's formula is Malik running, uh, keeping some some uh, drives alive with his feet, running the ball, and then throws to the tight ends, crossing routes, uh, precision stuff, you know, the RPOs, that sort of thing. The bombs that are sort of where you pad those passing numbers, they, they have not been part of the offense like they were when uh, Tutu Atwell and Des Patrick were here. So I would take under that, even if Louisville wins, even if Louisville wins comfortably, I'd be shocked if it was over 250. He hasn't seen our DBs yet, uh, TJ. I mean, if you want to solve it, it's fine. But right now, he has not had that. Man, I was going to go over here, but I think Mark tried to talk me into the under. Am I allowed to just steal his pick? Like, I was definitely going under because I was like, oh, FSU's DBs have been terrible. We've been good against the run. Yeah, he's – you know, I'm going to stick with the over. I'll stick with the over on this. Mark, you almost talked me into it, but – we're both going to each other. Yeah. <laughs> so make, we'll make Richie split the tie. <laughs> so with uh with prize picks, you have to pick at least two players and they're over-unders and they have to be from different teams. So I paired my Jordan Travis under with a uh, Malik Cunningham under as well. I oh, think I feel better. I think he's going to have like 120 <laughs> rushing yards on Saturday and Louisville's just going to you know be able to control the ground. And I, I, don't think they're going to have to pass the ball to win the game, so I, I'm going under there. Hey, and... that would be that would be a welcome sight because <laughs> even, no, I mean for Louisville, you know that's Scott's bread and butter. He wants to run inside outside zone mm-hmm. and bootleg and all the you know the the, uh, the uh, jet sweeps and pop passes and stuff off of that. Uh, and they really have not been able to just line up and kind of mash people yet. So if if they have anything close to just sort of a controlled running game this week, like you're kind of Scott would take that all day. Yeah, but and I say that because I I really do like the defensive line that is <laughs> three transfers from SEC schools yeah. and Fabian Lovett, Jermaine Johnson, um, and Kier Thomas. Um, but I don't like the second level at all on our team right now. And for what it's worth, against UCF, UCF had exactly the same thing: a bunch of SEC transfers up front that come to play for Gus. But Louisville took advantage of, of UCF's linebackers. 
crossing routes, you know, uh, 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 the tight end on play action, things like that. Like that's where they took advantage and they kind of fought to a draw against the defensive line and it was the linebacker. So if Florida, if that's how Florida State is, I would imagine the game plan will look kind of the same. Well, then I, I should have taken Cunningham on the over, but I'll leave it where it is. But let's go back to Florida State's backfield. Jay Sean Corbin, 82.5 yards. TJ, what do you think? Man, I went away from him last week, and I think I got it right. Um, you guys both took the over, and I took the under in that one. You and Les both took uh, took the over. I'll go over in this one. Um, just because I don't think he puts – I think he puts together another good game. I think he breaks one – for 20 30 yards and i think he gets enough carries to do it so give me over on that he he had a good couple first games yeah I'll, i'm i'm taking the over here as well because i think mike norvell knows now especially with mckenzie milton you're gonna have to try and run the ball because he can't push the ball downfield and uh, the only reason that uh corbin didn't go over last week is because you know he fumbled early and then didn't touch the ball for about 40 snaps so yeah. uh, you know if that doesn't happen which i i'm still upset with mike norvell about that because i so my opinion, running back fumbles, put him right back in and give him a run on the very next play. Let him get that going. And I know everyone has different opinions on that, but I, I just think he knows if Florida State has any chance at all Saturday, it's going to be eight and zero, getting a lot of carries, and hopefully they can make something happen. How about you, Mark? I, I mean, I'd go over there too, just because I think that uh, the, the game, the winning game plan is to shorten the game, yeah. uh, to give McKenzie Milton, especially if he's going to be the only guy that you really want to play quarterback as much of run support as you possibly can and play action, you know, and that sort of thing. Uh, I think they'll lean on the run game heavily. I don't, I don't think that Louisville's, I think Louisville's going to win, but I don't think they're going to, this is going to be lopsided or anything. Uh, and so I think there'll be a heavy kind of lean on the, on the Florida state run game. I'd go over there too, for sure. Awesome. So let's go to uh Louisville's running back that prize picks has listed and it's Jalen Mitchell, 72.5 yards. Um, I don't want to cheat and uh, hear Mark first, so I'll just be honest with y'all. I have no clue. I looked at the stats from early in the season. I don't know which way this goes. Um, the fact that Mark said that Louisville took advantage of UCF's weak linebacker core with a lot of you know dink and dunk short crossing routes and stuff, I'm going to take the under just because I think that's open for business all day in Tallahassee on Saturday. Uh, TJ, go ahead. Yeah, I like the under as well. I think Florida State's played fairly well against other teams running backs it's the mobile quarterback that worries me so yeah. <laughs> if this was malik's rushing i'd take the over of oh yeah for sure so like for sure but i do think they play fairly well i mean unless a long one gets broken right like i i think florida yeah. state's defensive line has been pretty good uh i like the under here yeah i mean i i actually like the under here too dude, because jalen is not a breakaway guy like javian hawkins was a year ago you know, Jalen uh, Jalen is a, a power guy. He's he's going to get you one cut and get you eight to twelve. You know, maybe occasionally a longer one, uh, but he's not the breakaway guy that Javian Hawkins was. That's that's really Malik and the, and the freshman Travion Cooley. Uh, he's more of a just a kind of a counter to what the what they can do elsewhere. So I, I'd be surprised if he had if he had more than that, unless unless the FSU just has like an awful day up front, which would really shock me. I don't I don't I don't see that coming. Yeah, and I, and that's it's funny how up front, you know, again, three SEC transfers, and that's really all we have to, to lean our hats on right now. Um, and, and we'll go to the last one uh, that Price Picks has offered, going to the Florida State's dismal wide receiving court, Ontario Wilson. Under, under, whatever you've got, under. 
I kind of agree. Ontario <laughs> Wilson, uh, 12.5 12. yards. Oh. 12.5. Oh, no, it's, it's, 40, it's 42.5. It's 42. Oh, 5. I was going to say, yeah, that, I'll take that. Like, I'll, I'll, I'll take him to get two catches. Yeah, your family viewed me on that one. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, so like, it's 42.5 yards. Uh, for the record, through three games, Florida State's leading receiver is Ontario Wilson with 89 total yards through three games. Yeah, under 42 and a half. That's an easy one, I think. <laughs> if he If he burns me for a long one, then he burns me for a long one, but I'll take under. I mean, I'm going to go under two. I think Louisville's secondary is, is easily the strength of the defense. I think they'll know they'll have to stop Florida State running. Uh, I think they'll put Keytrail Clark on him and, and hope for the best. I'll go under two. I'll uh, I'll take the over here for reasons I'll explain next as we uh, oh here we go. Go ahead out. and tell them out. You got us winning and uh, <laughs> the uh, the score predictions. And uh, I'll go first. Uh, I don't think I ever go first on these ones. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to be a long day for Florida State, unfortunately. I, I would not be surprised if Florida State won, but I've not seen it. I I need to see them win a game again before I can pick them to win a game other than UMass, which I'll, that's the only game I'll pick Florida State to beat uh, the rest of the schedule until I see some progress and some wins. Until then, I, I think Louisville gets up early and kind of coasts along, which for that Ontario Wilson pick – I think Florida State comes out wanting to run the ball and is forced to start throwing the ball, especially if Milton's the quarterback here. That limits the running game because Jordan Travis has that extra dynamic to him. I have Louisville 37, Florida State 20. Uh, let's go to TJ. Um, I'll pick FSU next week unless we get blown out. I'll say that. Like, I'll pick us against Q's unless we get absolutely blown yeah. out. So yeah. I'm not on the board with Richie on 1 and 11 just yet. Um, but I might be on the 2 and 10 train. I, I, Earlier in the year, I had FSU by a field goal. I had the inverse of that uh, what, the 2018 game that was uh, 31 to 28. I had Florida State winning 31 28. Uh, I'm no longer on that board. I think Louisville gets a late touchdown to make this uh, not competitive. Give me 34 21 Cardinal. Um, yeah, 13 point win for Louisville. All right, Mark. Let's let's finish up this depressing podcast. <laughs> I think Louisville. Probably- 30 like 30 to 21 something like that you know i think that it'll be just tense enough that everyone keeps the starters uh, in and and florida state has a chance i just think that you know when when things get compressed in the second half and florida state needs to make throws i think that's where louisville secondary will be enough that they can sort of pressure mckenzie milton force turnovers you know that sort of thing but i don't think it's going to be a blowout i don't expect florida state to quit i don't you know there's not gonna be booze and we're not gonna get the freaking guy reading the book in the stands <laughs> it won't be like that comes but, in a few yeah. weeks though and i will say uh, against jacksonville state the coaches let him down against wake that i they, i again think the coaches let him down and i'm not trying to pat these guys on the back for being effort and playing hard because that's like the bare minimum expectation for any uh, any yes. athlete, especially at this level. But th- they have not quit from what I've seen. They're still playing hard. They just don't know said for that. Louisville didn't quit against Ole Miss. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Like it's not 28. You guys mentioned 2018. That's quitting. Yes. I know for Louisville in 2018, I know exactly what it looks like for a team to quit. And that's what Louisville did. In fact, from the Florida State game, when Juwan passed those that interception and Florida State throws a touchdown the next play after that, <laughs> they quit literally from that point on like i know exactly what you're talking about and florida state does not look like a team that has quit i think you're exactly right about that yeah i just uh i think Louisville's just a little further along in this process year three 
Scott's guys. I think yeah. they get a lot of confidence out of last week in UCF. I think they'll, I think they'll win, but I don't think anybody's getting blown out of the room. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Um, okay, we did this last year. We do it again. I wish we could switch teams for it. Um, I, I do the Bourbon podcast. I talked about it beforehand. I sent you a bottle of Four Roses last year. What is your? You're in Louisville there. Yeah. So, uh, last question, then we'll get you out of here. This has nothing to do with football. So, I like actually something I could smile and talk about. Um, what is your go-to everyday bourbon? Just like if you're just gonna, you know, have a have an everyday drinker that you're gonna have easy to get, and then like, what's your hard to find like? It doesn't have to be allocated, but like your your good bourbon that you're pulling out. Like if somebody comes over or you're trying to imp- not necessarily impress somebody, but like what's your like you get one of each. Like your really good stuff, and then you're just like, ah, this is my Woodford or whatever. Oh, gosh, uh, for it's hard, really hard. I mean, the truth is, like I don't, I don't, I don't buy expensive bourbon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I don't, I don't keep a lot of expensive bourbon uh, on hand. Knob Creek has like 120 proof one. Uh, yeah, I'm bad with names, but like when. when when I when I want to celebrate, I'm dipping into that. Like I love that, you know. And all of the distilleries are really close to here, within about 20 miles. We can go to just about any of them. Yeah. Uh, but I, you know, for like the cheap stuff, just like on hand, Old Granddad has 114 proof. That's yes, really good. Yeah, really you, good. It's, it you, might be mixed in this cup right here right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that. I don't go for any of the weak shit. Like I go for the real thing. But like the the, the 114 Old Granddad, like. You kid, you can't tell me that there's some sort of demonstrable difference between that and, and some of the, the the sexier name brand ones. I love that stuff. Yeah. Now somebody was just asking if you were on Twitter, so I threw in your handle. We'll ask that in just a minute, Hunter. But uh, were you in Charlotte for ACC kickoff? Yeah. Um, yeah. So Brendan Sinone and I for Nils Two Four Seven were up there, and he bought a bottle to have like in the room. But then he flew back, and I drove back, and he's like, oh, "I can't fly back with this. Like, do you want it?" And I was like. Yes. So that old granddad 114 is elite. I think it's good. I think after this all day IPA, you've inspired me to go pour some of that. So thank you very much for so we'll we'll do it again this year. We'll do a bottle of bourbon. I can't believe I'd rather we should have you under a basketball season because that's way back. Yeah. Oh, Richie, Richie's got a complaint with playing you guys early in basketball season. Tell him why, and then we'll get Mark out of here. Oh, so yeah, I, I knew the ACC would do this to, to us in, in some way, but Florida State is one game shy of the all-time ACC home court winning streak record. Uh, they are at 25 games. Duke has the record at 26. So Florida State hosts, um, I think, Syracuse first, which should be a win. And then they host Louisville, which would be the one to break uh, the Duke streak. Richie's mad they gave us a tough game. I am mad they gave us a tough <laughs> game. But but then TJ made a really good point. I, I wanted the worst ACC team for that. But TJ made a good point. Give us Duke, right? It, it's their record. We're trying to break it. Just send them to Tallahassee and let it play out. But did you know that was actually that streak was in jeopardy? And uh, thoughts on the early? Or I, it's, I think it's a January, so not yeah. super early. But no, Florida State no, Louisville game. No, I didn't know the streak was in jeopardy. And, and, and this is this is garbage. I've called BS on all of this. And anyone who's watched Florida State play Louisville in the last few years realizes that Florida State has this roster full of guys from Avatar on it. <laughs> That's what Richie said. I was like, we beat him by 15 twice last year, man. Like, if you can't win this game. Louisville fans, it's funny. Like, since joining the ACC, Louisville's had pretty – like, they beat Virginia at least one time. Yeah. You know, they, 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 they're a pretty good record against Duke. They split them against North Carolina. They've done okay. Uh, it's Florida State that beats the crap out of them all the time, so I don't want to hear any of this. 
Yeah, they, but there's there's no Trent Forrest to dunk on Jordan Nora. You know, no, no Patrick Williams. Yeah. Even if somebody, he's not seven feet right now, he'll be seven yeah. feet by the time. Yeah, exactly. there'll, be, there'll be three guys in the first round of the NBA draft next year going. Mark Ennis, thank you so much for hanging out. Look for that bottle of bourbon after Louisville wins this week uh, in your mailbox. Thank you again for, for hanging out, man. We appreciate your time for sure. Anytime, guys. Anytime. Thanks, thank buddy. You. Appreciate Mark coming on and hanging out with us tonight. Um, excited about the game this weekend. Somewhat excited about the game this weekend. Want to get, uh, want to get it over with, man, because I feel good about that Q's game. So I want to get this yeah. one over with, and we'll roll. Hey, if we do win, we we'll do an instant reaction. We'll, we'll do an instant reaction podcast. Oof, that's going to be rough, but I, I will do it. I've, I'm playing golf early Saturday morning, and it, that's about. That's about eight, nine white claws in itself. Then I'm coming to watch Florida State and Louisville. Yeah, Rich is going to be probably slurring. switching to the IPAs. Rich yeah, is going to be slurring. Could be rough. Hunter, I see you doing a lot of commenting in here. Um, but before we get to Richie's golf, I see you doing a lot of commenting, but I haven't seen you sign up for that prize pick app just yet, Hunter. <laughs> so again, the prize pick app, it's been rolling for the whole time down here. Let me turn this off. Prize pick app is no slaw. Go check that out. They match up to a $100 deposit. Um, you guys will enjoy that. All right, Richie, talk about the Ryder Cup real quick, and then I, we're going to get into snacking with Sky, and then we'll get out of here. Yeah, just real quick, the Ryder Cup. Uh, the t- this will be the 2020 Ryder Cup. Yes, you heard that correct. COVID messed it up last year, and like the Olympics, they refused to change the name. Uh, but why it's relevant to this podcast, it is a team sporting event, so it's 12 Americans versus 12 Europeans, and two of the Americans are former college teammates at Florida State, Brooks Kepka and Daniel Berger, and it uh, Captain Steve Stricker announced tonight that Kepka and Berger will be playing together tomorrow in foursomes, which will be a blast to watch. Uh, I'm really excited. It's alternate shot. So, uh, you know, Brooks will hit a drive and then Berger's going to go hit the approach and then Brooks is going to go putt and they'll flip it every hole. Uh, it's going to be a blast. And, it, you know, it's Sunday it will be done before we come on this podcast. So hopefully I can come back and tell you guys all the good news about how uh, two former Florida State golfers will led Team USA to victory. We're going early that day. Will it be done? Oh, it, it will not be done on Sunday. So maybe I'll hop on for an instant reaction where six of you guys can uh, hop on and listen. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, all right, cool. Hey, so we missed this the last couple of uh, the last couple of episodes. I don't know what I've been doing, but we've missed <laughs> The snagging with Sky from Sunday. I told her then we would do it. Um, I told her then we would do it. Uh, she's what last night with Coach Poole. If you haven't watched that interview with Coach Poole and uh, Lauren Burroughs, really, really, really good stuff there. Uh, but without further ado, the best part of this show, snacking with Sky, and then we'll wrap this show up and get out of here. Do you know what it feels like when your football team is not doing what they're supposed to do? Do you know, do you know, do you know? Welcome to Snackin' with Sky. It's the show where I eat food and then I tell you about that food. We're, we're still doing this. But yes, these are my pajamas. Pajamas? Pajamas. Did I just roll out of bed? Yes. Here's why. If we continue to do what we're doing on the football field, there are going to be some noon games. And what time do you tailgate for noon games? 
we're gonna start tailgating at 7 a.m. This is our world now. I'll be enjoying Tally Mac Shack this morning with a side of iced coffee because I guess that's just what's expected of us at this point. So today we are going to Tally Mac Shack. It's across the street from Prue. This really cool lawn area that you can sit out on and get a bowl of mac and cheese. They also have a truck. Pretty sure there's another location that's closer to campus. Anyway, plenty of options to get your mac and cheese fixed. I've never actually eaten there. All of you said that I needed to try the Snorton Norton. Oh, that sounds appetizing. Snorton Norton. Thank you, internet. And what I did, I got it last night. I put it in my cooler. Tally Mac Shack is only open during the fall from four to nine on Thursday and Friday, and from 11 to nine, I believe, on Saturday. So you need to pick it up early and then make sure you have it for your tailgate. So without further ado, let's, let's snack into it. I never had bagged lunches because I was homeschooled. And that probably explains a lot. Here is what it comes in. My stomach just rumbled for like 10 seconds. She knows, she knows, hush. I'm gonna put this in the microwave. I'm about to eat mac and cheese at 8.04 a.m. Everything is possible except for Florida State's defense showing up. Pulled pork. Mac and cheese. It's 8.04 in the morning. We have no rules in this house. Here we go. First bite factor. Mmm. <sighs> okay. I have to do it on one bite. First bite, first bite. It's not as like punchy with the flavor as I want it to be. It may be because I waited to eat it, but again, that's how you're gonna do it if you're tailgating. You're welcome for the accuracy of this. I'm not here to make everyone happy. I am here as a professional food blogger, scientist, fashion icon, beauty influencer, extraordinaire, okay? I understand the assignment. 1.25 out of two. It left me wanting a little more, just like our football team. So I guess we're on brand. So for convenience, if it comes in this vessel, solid two out of two. You're able to literally carry your own bowl throughout the tailgate. This might be the only bowl that we see this year. So if you want to put the effort in to scoop all this out and put it in a big tin and put it over the little, little fire fire. I don't know if it's worth all that. If you want to put the work ethic in, unlike our defense, I'm sorry, that was really mean. I'm sorry. But it's true. God, please meet Wake Forest today. This week on Snacking with Sky, Sky gets canceled. So for convenience, we're gonna do a 1.25 out of two. What, why am I implementing 0.25? You know why? Because I'm a professional food critic. Durability. If it's in the tin with the heater, no, it's dairy. It's still hot cheese. This is something you can put in a tin and it will stay good. I don't know how long it will stay good. You know when cheese sits out for too long? It has like that coat of like on it. I'm not making any sense today. This is the last time I do a food review at 7 a.m. It's delicious, but delicious and durable are not synonymous. You know what, for durability, we'll go one out of two. $13 for this bad boy. If this is not the only thing at your tailgate, I think you could stretch this to three, maybe four. Who am I kidding? You can't stretch this to four. For $13 for three people, it's an okay value. I would give it like a one, one out of two. You're getting a delicious dish for what you're paying for. It's a very quality dish, but it's not quantity. But again, I don't know your tailgate. It's up to you. I don't know your life. Originality. I have seen pulled pork on top of some sort of vessel, whether it be fries, nachos, mac and cheese. I think Tallahassee doesn't really have something like this. The fact that they're doing this and doing it as well as they are, I gotta hand it to them. 1.5 out of two for originality. Will it tailgate? 
No. I think this might be the most controversial item. Controversy. Oh, is, am I in my first internet scandal? This one's very subjective. There's just so much that has to go right, and there's so much that could go wrong. Thank you so much for snacking with Sky. As always, stay hungry, and I will see you at the tailgate at 7 a.m. Please bring me coffee. Can't hear you, TJ. She's right about the only bowl that we might see. She <laughs> yeah. said a couple of things that were that were pretty funny. The other thing is, though, this logo will hold some weight because we stink and we're 0-3, about to be 0-4, and that Syracuse kickoff is still 3-30. Yeah. That Louisville kickoff Oof. is still 3-30. And I bet that UMass kicks in a late one, too, because we don't have to compete with – it's not – like we can – I think we have a little more power over that because it's the uh, – it's not an ACC game. So – Anyway, these late games are going to – and then that UNC one, that UNC one will be 330 because UNC is good. Clemson will be the eight. So, I mean, this logo just holds weight. Um, <laughs> no noon – let's see how far into the season we can get with no noon kickoffs. I bet that NC State game one is just for Hunter because he didn't sign up for prize. <laughs> he hasn't been commenting for the last five minutes. He's probably been signing up because I gave him a hard time. Uh, Stacking with Sky. She's the best part of the show. But I hope you guys enjoyed that. Hayden, you're right, man. She is savage. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't play. Um, Richie, any thoughts, any shout-outs before we get out of here? No, just uh, shout-out Trey Jones, uh, alumni of the podcast, for molding two uh, Ryder Cup players this week. We'll be playing together. If you're listening tomorrow morning before 8.37, they will be teeing off at 8.37 a.m. We'll be exciting to watch that. Definitely have it on the TV all day. Uh, shout out myself. I'm closing on a house tomorrow. Um, a little bit closer to town. Bigger yard. Much bigger yard. A pool. Nice entertaining area. Richie, one day if you ever come to Tampa, I'll invite you over. So you're, you're <laughs> welcome to come hang out. Uh, it'll be a great place to watch college football out there. So shout out to me. Shout out to the, the wife and kids that'll, that'll enjoy that. Um, shout out to also all the hair that I've lost from how stressful this process is. So... Anyway, I think that's it. I think that's all we've got for tonight. We will see you guys on Sunday at 7 o'clock, uh, maybe like 7.30. As soon as the Bucks game's over is when I'll send that live. Um, but somewhere between 7, 7.30, we will recap everything that happens over the weekend. Until then, until we see you guys again, go Knowles.